Hi, Jessica. <laughs> Hi. How are you, Sarah? Great. How are you? It has been a, a week. Oh, a couple. Just one week? A couple weeks, actually, since we've last discussed things, right? Almost two weeks? Almost two weeks. Yay. Yep. What have I missed out on? Tell me about your life in Baston. In Baston? Yeah. Um, let's see. I am dying from reading a lot. Everyone here is very smart. I have a screaming train for a pet, but it seems pretty cool. <laughs> I'm glad. Pretty, pretty chill, pretty cool. Do you want to hear about my... Uh week i would love to hear about your week so tell me about your week last week i got a job as a waitress at a local place that you hate yes so i got that job and then after four days of working said job i quit that job after four days well four days for me it was about a little over a week i wasn't getting home till like 10 yeah and I needed to get home to take care of my dog, which I had known that going in, but I was going to give it a little time. And then once I actually do end up getting a house, maybe quitting. But the people there were not good people. And on the fourth day that I worked, they gave me a party of 25. Oh, my gosh. All by myself. That's which, so crazy. Yes. Which I handled, and, like, I got a good tip, but it was a lot for me, and I was still learning the menu and all that. And I had already decided by then, at first it went, well, I'm going to try to get a house, so maybe I'll get enough money to buy some furniture, and then I'll quit. And then it turned to, well, I really want to buy a cricket machine, so maybe I'll just save up enough money for a cricket machine, and then I'll quit. <laughs> and then it turned into... I almost have enough money for a cricket machine. I might as well quit because of how badly they treated their wait staff. So I sent a message to the lady really early in the morning. I ended up quitting and she was a beast. I had to block her. That's insane. Yeah, she was being so rude to me and I was trying to be nice because, you know, I do have a full-time job that if I was rude, it could get back and bite me in the butt. But I ended up having to block a lady because I quit after four days of working as a waitress. And then life went back to normal. I bought a cricket. I'm glad you at least got something out of it. Yeah. You had warned me. Well, duh. You had told me not to work, especially at that place, and I still did. Yep. And now... Who's laughing now? <laughs> you. Yeah, I told you. But no one ever listens to me. Right. I also signed on a house again. This is the third house that I have put out an offer for. And mm -hmm. they 
things keep happening where I keep not getting a house. And it's not my fault. It's the the house people's fault. So what's our topic for today? Colorado. 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 Have you ever been to Colorado? I have been to Colorado multiple times. <gasps> I've only I, been there I, once. I really like Colorado. For my senior trip, I went to Colorado to go hiking. Wait, thrice. <laughs> I've been there three times. I forgot about two of them. Ooh. <laughs> That's weird. Tell me about your senior trip. I went with a friend of mine, Ashley, from high school, and we went down the Poudre River. We stayed in cabins. My first time I went, I went with my my family, my entire family on my mom's side. That was rough, but it was fun. And then, yeah, we drove through it several times. I really like it. I like the smell of Colorado. It smells That's very fresh. That's to say, but I completely understand. Yeah. I, um, I, I lied, actually. I have been twice. My first time, I was like six or seven, and I went with my dad, my uncle, and my cousin, who's the same age as me. He's like a month younger than me. Mm-hmm. And then I went, the, as soon as I moved, I went on a church trip with strangers. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was where a bunch of church people treated me like dog poop. It was great. And I was new to the town. Love that. Love that for Love you. Love it. Um, but well, that's cool. That, I really do like the state. I do, too. I really like... Also, it just seems so pristine. The mountains are, ugh, I love it. I love it. That and, like, the parts of New Mexico that are really, really pretty and have the mountains. Because I've been there a couple times, too. But the the weather there is just really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to go into trivia? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Go. I go first. <laughs> um, so, my first question is, where is the Navajo Nation located today? A. Northern America. B. Southwest America. C. Southeast America. D, the Central Plains, or E, none of the above. Lord. I should know, but I really don't, so I'm just going to say the Central Plains. Close. Um, they are located in the Southwest. So answer choice, B. Okay, I should have guessed that, but I didn't. Oop. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, yeah, I mean, same on all of the ones that I've gotten wrong before. <laughs> Honestly. Um, okay, yeah. you ready for yours? I was born ready. Okay. Trivia number one. Which saloon did Doc Holliday flee from after a gunfight? A, the Buffalo Rose. B, the OK Corral. C, the Salty Spittoon. D, the silver dollar, or E, the face bar? I'm going to go with Salty Splatoon because same. (laughs) 
I actually don't know. The Salty's tune is from Spongebob. I wouldn't know because I don't watch Spongebob. I know, that's why I put it, because it made me laugh. And I'm very happy that you chose it. I'm glad I could have brought you joy. You brought me very much joy. Okay, so... The Buffalo Rose is Colorado's longest surviving gold era business. Although it has gone through a number of owners and iterations, the saloon remains very similar to the initial business created in 1859. The Silver Dollar Saloon was once a favorite watering hole for the famous outlaw dog holiday, but it's still not the one. The face bar is named after there's a picture of a woman's face on the barroom floor. So that's where it got its name. The Salty Spittoon is from Spongebob. But the actual answer is the OK Corral. It's in Tombstone, Arizona. And it's where Doc Holliday, Virgil Earp, Morgan Earp, and Wyatt Earp had a 30-second shootout with a group of outlaws. I think there's a movie about that called Tombstone. There is. Not quite sure. It's really good. Oh, my gosh. Okay, great. I've never actually seen it. Um, I'll be a Huckleberry. Uh, Huckberry or Huckleberry, like Huckleberry Finn. Like I'll be your Huckleberry. I'll it's a quote from friend. Tombstone. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, so my number two. Where is the legend Mothman from? <gasps> what <laughs> Just state? Got really excited. <laughs> I'm not covering Mothman, but... No, but it made me think of that that stupid video. So where is Mothman from? Like, what state? A, West Virginia. B, Virginia. C, Mississippi. D, Colorado. Or E, New York. West Virginia. Yes. You know I knew that. I know you knew that. (laughs) I love the legend of Mothman. But yeah. Mothman is from West Virginia. I'm really excited for this now. Okay. Trivia number two. What illness is also known as the White Death or the White Plague? Plague. A. Cholera. B. Colorado? No. (laughs) Uh, B. Tuberculosis. C. Influenza. D. Leprosy. Or E. Typhus. Is it influenza? It is not. It is tuberculosis. Tuberculosis? Yes, consumption. Well. Give story. Oh, okay. Here. I am demanding. Story. You give. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay. So, today... Is a very special day for you. For me? For you. Only you. <gasps> and if other people are listening as well. Um, only the dogs. Only only the dogs. The bow wows. The yippios and the yippies. Bow wow wows. Oh, wow. 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 So uh, um, your mom drew lore for me. Ooh. Yes. So, Colorado lore, I want you to try and guess what I just might be covering. Navajo Indian tribe. 
the Navana, Navajo Native American. I can't speak. The Navajo tribe and Mothman. It's their version of Mothman. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I don't know a lot of like Native American lore. Is it one I should know? I'll just tell you then. Okay. Okay. Today I will be covering skinwalkers. <gasps> no! <laughs> Please tell me. I'm so glad you gave me that reaction. Yes. So I will do... Okay, I will do my very best to cover this legend, um, but bear with me. So, located around three states today, um, the Navajo Native Americans are in the Four Corner State area. They are located in Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah, even though the Navajo Nation was also promised land in Colorado in the Navajo Nation Treaty of 1868, but they were never actually given that land That's because sucks. we saw. Yeah, um, because part of their main land was located in the southwest plains of Colorado, but yeah, we said. Um, but back then, the tribe was able, when they were able to live freely on their own space and in their own, own land, uh, their territory covered around the area of the four states, including Colorado. So much like most Native American nations, their culture is colored with amazing folklore and stories to help tell their history and spirituality. One of these main stories was that of the darkened heart of the skinwalker, also called, <laughs> bear with me, the Yi Neldaluhi. <laughs> I can't even try. But if somebody actually can say that, can you please like send in a voice message? Um, I want to know. But it means with it, he goes on all fours. So. Oh, no. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, they, they are beings or creatures of pure evil and can take the form of hideous beasts. The Navajo people are also a part of an even larger grouping of people, which includes the Pueblo people, the Apache, the Hopi, and Uted. So these other people, other groups that also have their own stories and tales about skinwalkers. So it isn't just the Navajo people, but their version of the story is the most told or well-known. Gotcha. Yet um, in all of these cultures, they are all evil creatures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These witches have long been the blame of a whole bunch of different manners of struggles and tragedies throughout the long, hard history of the Navajo people. So, quote, this was most apparent with the Navajo Witch Purge of 1878, which initially involved, no, which initially evolved from a cultural response to so many people moving across and onto their lands. 
After a series of wars with the U.S. Army, the Navajo were expelled from their lands and forced to march in the Bosque Redeno, or Fort Summer, in New Mexico, in what is known as the Long Walk of the Navajo in 1864. And that's from legendsofamerica.com. That's where I got a lot of these uh, quotes and stories. So during this time, these people suffered from bad water, failed crops, illnesses, and death. After four years, the government finally allowed them to move back to their homeland in the Four Corners area. But during these years, it is said that many turned to dark magic in order to escape the horrendous conditions their tribe was facing. So when the tribe returned, the conditions improved, but the skinwalkers were still persistent in their ways of tricks and destruction, according to their legends and stories. It was thought that it was the skinwalkers' fault for their years on the bleak reservation that they, and that they had put a curse on them. This led to the accusations of witchcraft. Then, allegedly, someone found a collection of witchcraft artifacts wrapped in a copy of the Treaty of 1868. This was, allegedly, this was a part of the beginning of the Navajo Witch Purge of 1878, where 40 suspected witches were killed to restore the harmony of their tribe. So, like, it's, it is allegedly, but that'd be kind of ballsy. Right. <laughs> to do. Well, we'll find out why they were so uh, confident in their ways. <laughs> okay. Okay. So... A skinwalker is a form of witch that has chosen to do harm rather than good. They have the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise himself as an animal. And this witch is considered the most dangerous of all witches in their culture. Because there were multiple different witches. Um, it wasn't... witches. I guess, just a translation. Mm-hmm. Um, because these were spiritual magical people who walked among everyone else and they were different types different forms different kinds uh and they were just normal people who were gifted in spirit and magic i guess okay so like most things there is both good and evil power in the world it just depends on how you choose to use what power you have been gifted medicine men utilize the powers of their world to help heal the sick and wounded but there are some who choose to use the magic instead to hurt others in order to gain even more powers this type of witchcraft is called witchery way that's my nickname that was my nickname in high school witchery way Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're sabrina's good friend (gasps) my first roommate's name was sabrina there you go And it uses human corpses in various ways, such as tools uh, from bones and concoctions that were used to curse, harm, or kill intended victims. I didn't do that, though. I would hope not. This knowledge would be passed down from generation to generation. Much like the European werewolves, the Navajo skinwalkers are cursed humans who can form an into other creatures which were mostly wolves bears and other birds of prey so mothman mothman 
<laughs> These men and women who have evolved from their life of healing or being spiritual guides to that of using their powers for evil would walk among the tribe during the day and secretly transform deep into the night. So we're going to learn how to form into a skinwalker if we really wanted to. Please don't do this. Nobody do this. Wait, <laughs> so do I this. could really be witchery way? <laughs> I won't though. That's bad. But I could be. But I you, won't. Yeah. But I could be. Anyways, <laughs> we could be lots of things. <laughs> so to be initiated, you would have to be initiated into a secret society. Okay. So they would require you to kill a close family member, usually a sibling, allowing them <gasps> to Riley, obtain... watch out. <laughs> watch out. <laughs> allowing them to obtain the spiritual powers, giving them the ability to transform into aminals. Are you saying all that I have to do is get rid of my little sister? Yes. Riley! <laughs> Stop. Come here. To become an evil witch, all I have to do is kill you. Run. <laughs> She just ran. Okay. So. Kill your sister. Don't actually do that. Kill her with kindness. With love. Sure. Wink wink. (laughs) So. In order to transform into animals. They kill their siblings. Mm -hmm. Or somebody else who's important. Then they wear the skins of the animal. They transform into. Even though they can transform into multiple different animals. Which gives them the name Skinwalker. Gotcha, because they're wearing, like, pelts. Mm-hmm. Some people even choose to wear skulls and antlers because that amplifies their power. No, they're doing it because they think it looks cooler. I can see <laughs> them. I know what they're thinking. Um, because of this creature, it is considered taboo for a Navajo to wear a pelt of any predatory animal. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the skinwalker can even take over a body of a person. If you were to lock eyes with that of a skinwalker, they would be able to take over your body by making the victim say and do whatever they want them to do. <laughs> you are not a skinwalker, bro. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. When the skinwalker is in animal form, one way you can tell the difference between them and an actual animal are their eyes. Much like a human, when a light catches their eye, they turn red, and they look very human. But when they are in human form, their eyes look very animal-like. So they have the eyes of a human, and they look like a human eye when they're in an animal form, but when they're in a animal form them uh no when they're in a human form they look very animal like i hate that yep um the evil society of witches often gather in dark caves and other secluded places in order to not be disturbed from the outside world they would harm people from a distance with black magic and perform dark ceremonial rituals they were said to engage in necrophilia, cannibalism, in, um, incest, and grave robberies. They would, op- 
They would often change into their animal forms or run around naked with nothing on but beaded jewelry and ceremonial paint. The leader of the band of evil black magicians was usually an old man who was very powerful and a long-lived skinwalker. Nice. That sounds fun. So skinwalkers also have other powers, such as reading other people's minds, controlling their thoughts and behavior, causing disease and illness, destroying property, and sometimes even death. (gasps) You sound like the end of a commercial, like, (laughs) medicine, and it's like... If you or your loved one once had mesothelioma, (laughs) bad effects may include temporary blindness, nausea, and maybe even death. (laughs) Call your local shaman in order to get rid of all of the skinwalkers. There are people who have spoken out on their encounters with skinwalkers and have told of ways you can tell when a skinwalker is near you. <laughs> single skinwalkers in your area? <laughs> we are not taking this very seriously. I'm sorry. <sighs> so they tend to make sounds around homes, such as knocking on windows <laughs> or banging on walls or scraping noises on the roof. On some occasions, no. they have been caught peeping in through windows. More often, though, they will just appear in front of your vehicles to try and cause a bad accident. In those cases, though, they seem kind of hard to miss. So I don't know why I need to be told that this is a way that you can tell the difference. But anyways, yeah, they stand in front of your car. That's lovely. They're not very nice. Sounds like it. So, the skinwalkers are also known to be able to control animals at night, such as wolves and owls, and they are able to make them do their bidding. Some very powerful skinwalkers are even able to call up the dead and reanimate them to attack their enemies. That sounds fancy. That's not okay. (laughs) No. They also almost seem impossible to kill. You would have to have the assistance of a very very powerful shaman who knows the exact words and spells in order to kill the beast by turning their evil back in on itself. Or... Evil black hole. That's what I was thinking. Black magic hole. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Or you could shoot the creature with bullets that they have been uh, that they have dipped into white ash, but the shot has to hit the creature in the back of the neck or head. So hopefully you have a pretty good shot. <laughs> hey. And most of the time they don't turn their back on you because they have animal instincts that don't show their back. So. So good luck. <laughs> right. Hopefully you know a good shaman. That seems like your best bet. Plus, they are incredibly agile and fast. They have the ability to run faster than a car and the ability to jump high cliffs. People have told stories of animals running alongside their vehicles, and when the person slows down to see a strange creature up close, they will sometimes turn into a human and will proceed to jump on their car and bang on their hood. Okay, so I was with you for the first half. Um... Did you know, this is just a random fun fact, that it is a common phenomenon for kids to imagine something running alongside their car while their parents are driving? Yes, I used to do that. I did too. But 
kids see a bunch of different things, right? What mm-hmm. did you see? I saw a girl running. I saw a person on all fours. It was all flesh color and they were galloping like a horse. So, you know, a thing of nightmares. So a skinwalker. Pretty much, but we never stopped and it would disappear by the time I was done. But I didn't know if it was in my brain or not, which it's a very common thing. So it's a skinwalker. Yep, I've seen one, confirmed. (laughs) You know, I am like part Native American. Shut up. (laughs) Go home. (laughs) I am, I'm in bed, thank you. Well then stay there and never come out. Ah, rude. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. So uh, I have a couple stories to tell you about sightings. Yes. So this is a quote. This story tells of a man who was making repairs on an old ranch home when he began to hear loud laughter coming from the nearby sheep pens. Thinking he was alone, he went to investigate and found all of the sheep but one huddled in the corner of the pen. However, there was a lone ram separated from the group that was standing upright and laughing in a very human manner. After the man locks eyes with the ram, he sees that his eyes are not that of an animal, but very human-like. The animal then casually walked away on all four legs. (laughs) It's like, hmm. Guess you found me out. (laughs) Yeah. I just love that they use the word casual. (laughs) Just cash. So another story comes from a man who was riding in the car with his dad in a remote desert near the small town of Window Rock, Arizona. While they were driving through the desert, they came across a coyote sitting right smack dab in the middle of the road. When the father slowed the car down so that they wouldn't run into the thing, they saw that the animal was much larger than a normal coyote. It didn't... I'm glad you're now a zoologist. (laughs) (laughs) So it didn't seem afraid of the car at all, and it just stared at them while they approached it. They honked at it, trying to scare it off, but it wouldn't move, seemingly unamused with the situation. It then just started to stare at them even more intensely with yellow eyes that eerily looked very human. In the end... Liver failure. <laughs> John does. In the end, they decided to just drive around it and to continue on their merry way. Once they passed the creature, the dad said, Would you look at that? And the son peeked out the window to see the thing following behind them. They sped the car up to try and lose it, but it just kept matching their pace. Then, just like that, it changed into a man running alongside their car naked. He began to slap the side of the vehicle with a freaky grin on his face. Once the car hit 50 miles an hour or so, the man let out a wail and swerved off into the night, never to be seen by the pair again. I'm crying because everything in there just reminded me of something else. Like him smacking the car made me think of that (laughs) meme of the salesman smacking the top of the car. It's okay. That was good. I would hate to see that. Right? So I have one more. Yes. This comes from a Navajo woman who grew up in the Four Corners area whose grandfather was a medicine man. Quote, she says that she had been off at a boarding school 
at the time, but visited her family's modest desert home every weekend. It was during one of these visits that she one evening heard the dogs relentlessly barking outside at something. My life. And after a few moments of this, something made a thud on the roof of the house, as if somebody or something very large had jumped up there. As her sisters cowered under their covers, the witness went to go wake her parents, who told her it was just a cat and that she should go back to bed. The witness did so, but she could soon hear it thumping about on the roof over her room and could even make out the scratching of claws and heavy breathing, and she said, The dogs were barking and running around the house. It was back and forth, and at one time it stopped. He was not moving, and suddenly he hit one of the dogs with a long two-diameter pole. My sister, no. threw, my sister threw that pole on the roof a day before, and the dog was hit, and he was hurt. I can hear that pole when it was being thrown at the dog. I laid in bed listening to the footsteps. The footsteps is not a dog or a cat. It was a human, a heavy person walking with two legs. I fell asleep as I listened to the heavy steps. The next morning, I checked the area. There were weird footprints. I tried to tell my parents, but they just brushed it off. No one paid attention to us. The prints were not too clear because the ground was too hard. Within four days, my cousin passed away. She was 25 years old. She is the one that lived on the north side of the house. Before she passed on, on Sunday afternoon, she mentioned she had a bad headache. That was the last time I heard her talking about the pain. In the afternoon, we went back to boarding school, and by Wednesday or Thursday, my uncle came with bad news. She passed away after two or three days. That was the hardest and saddest thing to take as a kid. As she passed on, my family brought in a medicine man, and he conducted a ceremony. He said, two of you know about it. Everyone looked at me and my sister. We never repeated our story to the medicine man. He said, it's a man in a bear skin. And he said, he, and I said, he was on the roof of the house. When it walked on the roof, he was using a white powder and blew it over her. He walked around and around and around, and he blew some kind of powder on everyone to put you all in a deep sleep. He had a helper. It was a hummingbird. He did the lookout through a peephole. He blew his, this white powder on her, and that is how she passed away. Oh, my goodness. Then he, then he explained, I see lights. The light traveling towards our house. It was the bright flashlight, not a spotlight. The medicine man said, that is it. It is the light. He conducted the prayers and chanted songs. He prayed using sacred words, words I had never heard. He takes out the fire ashes and arrowheads to ward off the evil skinwalker. After singing and praying for several hours, the light disappeared. At that time, I did not fully understand what he meant. White powder. Later, Grandma tells me the white powder was crushed human bone, and they get it from the graveyard. Wow. End quote. And that's from MysteriousUniverse.org. No, I don't enjoy that. Skinwalker. Like, I enjoyed that, but I did not enjoy it. Thank you for presenting that to me. (laughs) You are more than welcome. All right. Are you ready for mine? 
Yes. Okay. I drew his story. <gasps> the history? Yeah. I drew history. So, we're going to do something a little different. I need you to follow my instructions. Because I'm going to get you in the mindset of the 1800s. Are you ready? Uh, sure. Okay. So, I do know the 1800s were a pretty long period of time. And, you know, my story goes from the 1800s to the 1900s. But we're going to focus on the beginning. 1800s. Okay. Close your eyes and imagine with me. America is a relatively new country. The Louisiana Purchase just happened. Lewis and Clark are doing their thing. Napoleon's doing his thing up in Europe. Oh, look, trains are a thing now. We go all the way from John Adams to William McKinley as president. Beethoven writes Furalise. The first photographs are taken. The Oregon Trail. The Gold Rush. (laughs) (laughs) Why did the Oregon Trail make you laugh? I don't... Why do you even have to ask that? (laughs) You're not imagining hard enough. (laughs) Am I? Close your eyes. The Oregon Trail. (laughs) The Gold Rush. We realize that germs are bad and we need to wash our hands in hospitals. (laughs) The Civil War. The first telephone. The Statue of Liberty. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes is written. There are now moving pictures. Aspirin is invented. Okay. That's it. That's the 1800s. All of it. Whoa. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe I left some things out. But, you know, that kind of took us on a journey through time, right? It's almost like Billy Joel's song. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. What? I did forget something. In the 1800s, one out of seven people die of tuberculosis. Yeah. Fair. Yes. So, in the 1800s, tuberculosis was the nation's leading cause of death. It was known as the White Plague as well. The thing that those who suffered from TB were told, like, to help them get better, is that the only hope they have is to move from humid, stormy, eastern locations in pursuit of the west's drier, higher, sunny skies. All of which Colorado had in abundance. Do you see where this is going? I... Who knows? I, uh, history. I live yeah. now. So. <laughs> everyone moves to Colorado. Let's go. Wait, Jameson just moved to Colorado. Well, he will get a kick out of this. Because, listen, <laughs> this is the history of why tuberculosis made Colorado a state. <laughs> Love that for them. Yes. So, the first sanitarium for tuberculosis sufferers in the U.S. opened in the Adirondack Mountains in 1885. But five years later, a tuberculosis widow opened Glockner Sanitarium in Colorado Springs, the first in Colorado, where patients could be treated for $1 a day. Dang. 
And notice I'm saying sanitarium, not sanatorium. Uh, sanitarium was like for sickness, like tuberculosis, like illness, not mental illness or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sanitized, not san- sanatorium like sane. So it's a little bit different. So um, the Union Printers Home opened in 1892. Cragmore opened in 1905. And the Modern Woodman of America in 1909. The industry peaked in the 1920s with at least 15 large and many smaller institutions. So basically... All of these people moved to Colorado to get better because there's a bunch of these sanitariums for them because it's the perfect climate for them to get better. So they think. Okay. So this is actually what helped put Colorado on the map. This is before it was even a state. Good old TB. Good old consumption. So you know how I said one in seven people had tuberculosis or died from tuberculosis in the U.S. at that time. In Colorado, one out of three people suffered from TB. Wow. That's how many people went there. Like, there was all of these people who had it, and there was also a bunch of physicians that went. It was very highly concentrated of physicians to help those people, but those physicians often did get it as well. Right. So it had a bunch of names, consumption, tuberculosis, lung fever, the bug, miners' con, lungers, white plague. But what is this illness? Tuberculosis is caused by a bacterium that, when breathed in, can cause weakness, chest pain, coughing, shortness of breath, and other symptoms. Just so you know, today only three people per 100,000 sufferers die from tuberculosis in the U.S., Dang. Wait, no, that's incorrect. I read it wrong. Today, only three people per 100,000 people suffer from tuberculosis in the U.S. Not dies from. Okay. Because we have vaccines and (gasps) antibiotics. Yes. So Colorado was a good area to get better, but it had its cons as well as its pros. It was known as a haven for Wild West criminals, fortune hunters, drunks, gambling, prostitution, and crime. But a lot of people did decide that the pros outweighed the cons, that getting better was worth living in an area with all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Many physicians agreed that, you know, climate really is important to recovery, but they didn't really come to that conclusion through medically sound practices. Uh, here's a quote that I found that really just made me laugh. It says, quote, oh, by the way, this is from Dr. Charles Fox Gardiner in 1900, said this, quote, the blood of people living at this altitude is generally thicker than that of people who live at sea level. Thick blood acts more rapidly to destroy germs than thin blood does, and therefore people living here have blood that is inclined to be germ-proof. End quote. Yes. Germ-proof blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's better than Germex because, you know, 
that still has 0.01%. I know. <laughs> People that live in Colorado's blood is the new Germex. <laughs> <laughs> Makes so much sense. Okay, so though they came to this conclusion by kind of unsound practice, they were kind of right um, about the location helping out. Fresh air does prevent tuberculosis from spreading, and the high altitude does stop tuberculosis bacteria from spreading as rapidly through the lungs. But the bad thing is, at that time... The doctors believed this contagious disease was hereditary. What? They thought tuberculosis was hereditary. And what gave them that idea? I don't know. Like they thought it was hereditary at one point, and then they thought it was tra- transmitted through the air instead of through physical contact. It's yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh well. So, in the 1860s, a lot of sick people began to pour into the area that would become Colorado for the fresh air cure. And entire cities began to be made around the treatment facilities. These cities, this might shock you, some of the cities that were built entirely around treatment of tuberculosis were Colorado Springs, Denver, and Boulder. So, like, pretty big Big cities. So, I actually did. Uh, we did a history tour. Ooh. So. That's cool. <laughs> so these facilities, depending on which ones, some of them were resort-like health spas for people to relax. And, you know, if they most likely were going to pass on, at least they were comfortable. Well, I'm just saying, their treatment back then was not sound. So a lot of them did end up passing away. These places were called sanitariums, like I've said. Boulder's most prominent sanitarium allowed guests to relax with health spa-like diets, view intricate oil paintings, and listen to a live orchestra. The health hotels featured large porches on which wealthy guests would take in the sun, breathe fresh air, and enjoy mountain views. There's a town in Colorado called Hygiene. Like, Same. It was named after the sanitarium there called Hygiene House. And they need more uh, creativity. I know. I know. They're like, sanitary doesn't work. That's already in the title. <laughs> But so is hygiene. Well, it wasn't in the sanatorium. Hygiene House made the town of hygiene. Um, at this place, they sipped mineral water, which they thought to have curative properties. They ate rare plants, and they sat outside for 10 hours a day, even during blizzards. That's horrible. <laughs> Yes, um, the more opulent tuberculosis facilities even bred their own elite social scenes and attracted famous patients from all over the world. Yeah, it was like a big to-do for famous people to go to, like, the big hidey-tidy ones. Anyways, not everyone could afford the plush resorts, obviously, and some sanatoriums were a little more than a collection of tents. 
That's so sad. Yeah, that you had these, like, really rich people living it up and everyone else was, like, a tense. Well, I mean, it's, like, homeless people now in shanty towns. Yes. Yes. That's um, horrible. Yes. And that goes on to my next bullet point. Eventually, Colorado had a really big homelessness problem due to desperate patients buying one-way tickets to the land even though they were unable to pay for treatment. So they would go hoping that just the land alone would help them at least a little bit. That's so sad. It is very sad. Um, in Denver, Francis... I, it's spelled Weisbart, but I want to pronounce it like Weibar. I don't know if it's German or not. But this guy, Francis Jacobs, founded an entire hospital, the National Jewish Hospital for Consumptives, to provide free treatment for those patients. Um, and That's so nice. I know. And today, that hospital is still there. And it's leading research and treatment facility for lung-related ailments. Okay. Yeah. That's so, so cool. <laughs> yes. Wow. And so all of this was before they knew what TB really was. So the bacterium was discovered in 1882, and at that point they still didn't know the that the infection could only be spread by close contact with the infected patient's breath. So they did know that it was contagious, but they didn't know exactly how contagious it was. When they realized that tuberculosis was contagious, it made Colorado is it Coloradans? Coloradian? Color Coloradanites. Coloradans. Colorado people. <laughs> it made the people of Colorado increasingly suspicious about tubercular tourists. Tourists? Tourists. Like people um. visiting. Um, because of this, spitting was outlawed, and women were enc encouraged to shorten their skirts, or else they could spread the disease with dust from the city streets. Okay. Yes. Um, TB patients were stigmatized in newspaper articles and public life. Quote, two brothers are insane, end quote, blared one 1906 headline in the Denver Post. The article told of two, quote, victims of the White Plague, quote, who came to Denver from Cincinnati, lived in a tent, and grew increasingly weak. Um, here's another quote. When they were found in their squalid tent, the reporter continued, their condition was frightful, end quote. The Colorado hmm. legislature even debated a law to require TB patients to wear bells around their necks. Stop. I know. I know. I hate that. Yes. Yeah. So eventually in the 1940s, antibiotics were a thing and people began to actually get better more often. And that's great. But by then, Colorado had already been shaped by the illness and little towns are transformed into thriving cities their streets and schools were fixed up by wealthy patients' donations. And many sanitariums were morphed into the state's most respected hospitals. Right. So Colorado was no longer known as the world's sanatorium, which was a common nickname. 
That's gross. Yes. That was actually the headline that I found before I ever read anything about this. And it was like, Colorado, the world's sanatorium. And I was like, I need to know what this is. Mm. (laughs) Uh, So last, I have a couple of fun facts. Yes. How fun are they actually, though? Um, the first one's, like, not as fun as the second one. Okay. Maybe? Fair. I don't know. Let's see. When John Henry Doc Holliday headed to Denver, Colorado in 1882, he was escaping murder charges for his involvement in a shootout at the OK Corral. But he stayed in Colorado not for the crime, but for the sake of his lungs. He had TB. And he passed away in Colorado in 1887, only six years after the shootout. He was 36. So that one's not, like, fun, but a lot of people who know who Doc Holliday is, that's a cool little fun fact. Um, My other one and my last one, the end of my story. In 1901, prominent community leaders in Colorado Springs wrote letters for a time capsule. And the time capsule was opened in 2001, so 100 years later. Dr. Boswell Preston Anderson, one of the pioneering tuberculosis doctors, wrote, quote, The town of Colorado Springs owes its first existence to the invalid class. High and dry elevations believed then, as well as the present time, to be quite superior and efficacious for pulmonary disease. Damn. So, that's... How Colorado was put on the map from consumption. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I found it really interesting when I was researching it because I had never even heard of that. True. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like you hear about it because the Stanley Hotel was founded because of uh-huh. TB. Like a whole bunch of stuff was founded because of tuberculosis. And it's amazing to see how far we've come since then. Vaccinations. (laughs) Uh, Realizing that it's, like, not hereditary and passed on through air. (laughs) And just vicinity. (laughs) Get our drift. Ew! Drift because tuberculosis can spread through drifting air. Okay, well, that's it for me. Same. That was a good episode. I agree. What are we going to do next time? Fashion. 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 That'll be really interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. We're still working on the whole Ooster situation, so we'll draw later. But um, I'm doing a rock, paper, scissors to see who draws first. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. (laughs) I don't know why, but it looked like... You were doing the finger gun signs. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, that's going to win no matter what. <laughs> okay, well, Sarah, tell the fine people where they can find us. Uh, you can find us uncreepily at Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. 
A-C-E-A-O-T-A. That's the initials of our podcast name. If you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> yes. Um, and if you want to send us any personal stories, ghost stories, history, things you find that are cool, you know, all the cool things, we just want to chit-chat, you can send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. That's A-C-E-A-O-T-A podcast at gmail.com. And the best place to still review and like and all of that stuff is still on Apple Podcast, uh, Aceyota Podcast. And you can still listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. And if not, yeah. email us about it and we'll get that done. Heck yeah, man. We want to spread to all of the ears. Please tell a friend. <laughs> Phone a friend, tell them about it. It's free. You don't have to buy it. It's free. Listen to it while you're driving, you know, when you're getting ready for the day. That's what I do. When you're on your 47-minute walk to school, that's when I yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We love you. To the moon and back. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Da da da. Mothman. 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 The choo choo. The choo choo train keeps going by. That's a fun sound. <laughs> it was an airplane. Airplane. <laughs>